Welcome to the Abundant Life Podcast. This is Pastor Derry. In the book of Ephesians and Colossians, the Apostle Paul references multiple times a mystery. A mystery by definition is an unknown or unknowable truth that can only be comprehended by divine revelation. Paul's mystery is explained in Colossians 1 and 27, which says, Christ in us, the hope of glory. And our question for today is how well do we comprehend the depth of the mystery? We will address this thought in today's message, Illuminating the Mystery, from our series titled, The Best Year Ever. Listen in, take notes, and I'll talk with you at the end of the message. And so to understand that the Bible's written that way would make it like any other book. But there's another dimension of the Bible that I want you to really embrace today, and that is the, the dimension of revelation. And one time, what we refer to it often is we refer to it as the Greek word that is called rhema. Rhema is a word that, that means to be enlightened. It is a word that comes to you and, and the word itself brings its own power with it. It, it itself brings a understanding. And so when I use an, an English word to you and I say the word blue, you have a series of things that happen in your mind. You have a series of associations that you make. And so as soon as you hear the word blue, you can envision different types of blue. I don't have to explain it. I don't have to. You have enough experience that when you hear blue, that it registers with a color. So we have a blue background up there. And we all can see that that's blue. And most of us would agree that that is blue because we have been trained in our knowledge base to understand what blue is. But if I change the word and I say azul, you may not understand that still means blue. Because even though I put a different word on it, it doesn't change the substance of what you're looking at. And so there's a different language you can have to explain things that you see. And different languages around the world have used different words to explain the same thing. Because we, in absence of a word that we can associate, we apply a word to something. And so we have languages because different people have applied a word to express a thing or an object or a concept. And we've applied that word to that thing. So all that is knowledge. But revelation is when you go beyond the words and there is an attachment and a personal understanding that comes to someone that brings forth not just the word blue or the substance of blue that's behind it, but something deeper than that. And so when we read Ephesians chapter 1, you may have all been wondering, why is he crying when he's reading that? I've read it before lots of times. I haven't necessarily cried every time I've read it. But there was a revelation happening to me when I was reading it. And over the last couple of days, there's been a revelation hitting me about that passage that I can't explain to you. Because I don't have adequate words or I don't have the right knowledge to give you revelation of what I read. 
And so that passage is touching me in a way that it is causing something to happen on the inside of me that is beyond blue and blue. It's, it's beyond the word. It's beyond the expression. It is, it is deeper. And I want to give it to you. But I can't give it to you. See, see, Jesus asked his disciples one day. They're all sitting around. And he says, who do you guys, who do people say that I am? And he said it general. Who do people say that I am? And they all began to say, some people say you're this. Some people say you're that. Some people say you're the prophet. Some people say you're this and that. So he gave, let them share all the things that they've heard other people say about him. And then he asked them the deeper question. Who do you say I am? Now it's beyond the global application of who Jesus is. Who do you personally say that I am? And that answer to that question was met with silence. Until Peter screams out, he said, you are the Christ, you're the son of the living God. Now I want you to understand, if you go through the scriptures, you can't find the word Christ commonly used prior to this. He said, you're the Christ, you're the son of the living God. And Jesus' expression to him was, you are blessed, Simon Barjona. Because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father is in heaven. And so I was thinking about some things we've been teaching, and I was thinking about some things, and, and I was like, man, I really, if I could just, if I can say this a different way, and God said, you can't say it enough ways to give people revelation, because you're not God. He said, you can give information, but revelation belongs to me. And he said, I want you to understand that the revelation people are looking for is the answer to the mystery. A mystery is something that is unknown or not understood that must be revealed by divine inspiration to comprehend. And so I can tell people all about Jesus forever, but they never will receive the revelation until we're open to the Holy Spirit teaching us. So when I was an atheist, everybody made intellectual arguments with me about the existence of God, and I could equally argue back with them why there could not be a God. And so I had this ongoing debate with people all the time. But when I gave my life to Jesus, it was not an argument at all. It was a revelation. See, when... You can argue all you want. Knowledge is knowledge, but the words beyond blue and azul and blue in between there is revelation. When I was reading you that passage, I'm going to do my best today to give you a couple of pieces of information to shine light on the mystery that's in this book. On October 13th, uh, 2013, about three weeks after, about four weeks, three or four weeks after we had started this church, we were teaching a Bible study. It was our very first Bible study, very first one. And so there were a handful of us that gathered at Carolyn and Lorenzo Hawkins' house to have our first Bible study. And we sat down and we opened our Bible, and our very first 
Bible study, we read something. And when I read it, and I taught on it, I didn't understand it by revelation. I knew it by the words that I spoke that day, but I didn't really understand it. And so if you open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1, I'm going to read this to you. Today I want you to understand and I want you to have the mystery of Christ illuminated for you. And remember, I can't do it. You're going to have to get it from the Holy Spirit. But I'm going to give you something for you to give to him. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he has made us accepted in the beloved. There's five words I want you to meditate on from this. And if you are able and willing, please, by all means, read Ephesians chapter 1 multiple times this week. Please do. Please do. But there's a couple of words that I want you to grasp from this. Verse 3 is the word blessed. Please write down the word blessed. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. So number one, God is blessed. And God's pattern he gave to Abraham is that I blessed you to make you a blessing. Because you can only bless others out of your blessing. I can't give you what I don't possess. So I have to be blessed to give you a blessing. Amen? That's why he said, blessed be the Father. In other words, you need to know that God is blessed with everything he needs. And he's giving you the blessing. Hallelujah. <laughs> the blessing he gives is every spiritual blessing. Every spiritual blessing, the word every in and of itself is a totally inclusive word. Every means all. Every means options included. Every means everything. And so when he says, you have been blessed by the Father with every spiritual blessing, that means every spiritual blessing there can be, you have been blessed with. <laughs> In the heavenly places, where? In Christ. First word is what? Blessed. Verse 4, 
just as he chose. The second word I want you to write down is the word chose. <laughs> Back when I was a kid, we had the hardcore uh, sports of our local teams, if you played Little League Baseball back when I was a kid, you had tryouts, and you went out and you had tryouts, and when you had tryouts, you tried out for about two weeks. There was about two weeks of practices and tryouts, and at the end of two weeks, they lined up everybody, all the 12-year-olds stand here, all the 11-year-olds stand here, all the 10-year-olds stand here, and then they take the piece of paper and they start calling names. So-and-so step forward, so-and-so step forward, so-and-so step forward. And you go through all the way down to the 10-year-olds. And so there's people standing forward. There's people standing in the back. And they say, all the four guys, go over there, see coach so-and-so, and get your uniform. rest of you guys, I want you guys to work out hard next year. Work out hard all this year. Come back next year and try again. If you're 12 years old, try out for the Babe Ruth team. That's that. See ya. So you had the chosen and the unchosen. And so we grew up, a lot of us grew up knowing you either chose or not chose. But now we have to understand that in here, he says, just as he chose. It means there is someone of authority who has a selection process by which they choose. And you've been chosen. There was this process by which someone is chosen and you were chosen. And I know a lot of people, when we lined up those days, a lot of people at 10 years old, when they didn't get chosen, they said, well, I can't play baseball. And they never tried again. Because they weren't chosen, so they quit. Because they didn't, quote, meet the qualifications. And that's not good, bad, or otherwise. It just is. But the ones that were chosen all of a sudden had a new level of confidence because I've been chosen, which means I must be able to play. And so we would show up and work hard now at practice because we were chosen. We got a uniform. I'm just, I remember that was the biggest day of the whole season was getting your uniform. Man, everybody's in the box. They all, what size are you? What size are you? You're trying to get the right size and you want the right number and you're going through all this, all them a row, and you get a number and yet you didn't want, but it's my number now. Because <laughs> you were happy to be on the team. And you were excited about the games. And you knew the games were going to be competitive. You knew you were going to have to fight in the games. You knew you were going to have to go toe-to-toe go -to -toe with some pitcher that was older than you or bigger than you or something else. But you wanted to do it because you were on the team and you wanted to play. And it didn't make a difference who the other team was. You would come and try to beat them no matter what. And that's a human natural reaction. But in church sometimes, we forget that we've been chosen. Sometimes in church, we forget that not only have we been chosen, but there's an adversary on the other side who you are going to stand against. And you need to practice and be prepared. And you need to be ready with the things that make you prepared to overcome the adversary that you're going to go. And guess what? You know something the adversary doesn't know, and that is you not only chosen, you chosen to win. Just as he chose us where? 
in Him. Who's Him? Christ. He chose us in Him. Which means that even if I wasn't good enough, even if I didn't have the right skills, even if there were other people who didn't get chosen that were better than me, I still got chose because I'm in Him and not in me. I didn't earn it, I don't deserve it, still you. All the overwhelming, never-ending, matchless love of God. You didn't have to earn it or deserve it, so you stood on the line incapable of being in, on the team. You were in the line with other people better than you. You were on the line with other people who did more than you or gave more than you or, or did more good works than you and, and people who acted what looked like to be just right. They're all on the line and you got chose. Because <laughs> you don't get chosen because of your behavior. You get chosen because you're in Christ. In him I live, I move, and I have my being. We must never forget that we've been chosen. And guess what? Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. In other words, God knowing who you would grow up and become. God knowing where you would go. God knowing who you would talk to, who you would stop talking to. God knowing your behaviors. God knowing everything about you. Before the foundation of the world, he had already made a decision that you were going to be called. I love that because all my errors I made as an unbeliever and all the words I spoke as an unbeliever, God saw through all those and still chose me. That we should be holy and without blame before him in love. In other words, God knows our flaws, our faults, and he says, guess what? I make you holy. And do you know what the word holy means? Holy is not the length of a dress. Holy is not the absence of facial hair. Holy is not perfect behavior. Holy means to be set apart for a purpose. See, I was chosen in order to be made holy, to be set apart for a reason. Amen. See, that's why you need to know you have a purpose in your life because God, through his choosing of you, makes you holy and gives you a purpose. <laughs> and how he gives it to you before him in love. Verse 5, having predestined, third word to write down is predestined. Predestined. The word predestined causes a lot of grief for people. People say, well, if I was predestined, then I 
been born in this neighborhood or that neighborhood. I if I was predestined, then God would have done this or that, or this wouldn't have happened, or that wouldn't have happened in my life. And if I was predestined, that's what sometimes people say. But predestiny is not that. Predestiny means what he referred to in the verse before this, and that is before the foundation of the world, he already knew you. But look at what predestined for what? Predestined us to what? Adoption. <laughs> my mother, uh, after I was born, my mother uh, tried to give birth several times and lost babies multiple times. Then she had a daughter. Daughter passed. So after all this, my mother and my stepfather made a decision to go to an adoption agency and adopt a child. And so they went out and they adopted a child and they went through several children on the list and they went and I remember us visiting a couple of children and we went to visit this one child in Sacramento. And we went there and I remember they, um, they allowed us to take him out for that afternoon so we went out we spent time with him. He's about, maybe about two and a half years old at the time. And they said, he's the one. And so they adopted him. So we brought him from Sacramento to Oakland, and we had him in the house, and he began growing up. And as far as anybody knew, he was their child. As far as anybody knew, he was my brother. And I dragged him along with me everywhere. And they cared for him. And they talked to him. And people would look at him and say, boy, Jason, he looks just like you. They would see the similarity. And even though he was adopted and did not genetically possess the same things as his new father, he started looking like his father. And boy, I tell you what, all of a sudden, this little boy started walking around as an Alexander. And that's who he was. And that's who he was. Who he used to be, nobody knows. They just know who he is. They just know that he was predestined to be adopted by the Alexander family. And they wove him in and almost got jealous because my last name wasn't Alexander. <laughs> almost got jealous. He had it so good. I, I asked my mother one day, how come y'all got this for him? Because they, they did all kinds of stuff. They, they embraced him. They showered him with stuff. And I said, wait, when I grew up, you didn't do that for me. It was like the older brother and the prodigal. Wow, I've been here doing this all the time. Why are you treating this guy so good? Tell your neighbor, say, you've been adopted. And the father treats you mighty good. Might make the other brothers jealous.
I'm Israel. I'm the born brother. And y'all are the grafted in, the adopted brother. See, the nation of Israel has a covenant with God that they were born with, but you have been grafted in and adopted. So if anybody in this room ever said, boy, them Jews are really blessed, you need to say, I'm really blessed. <laughs> I'm blessed like my brother's blessed. Ooh, them Jews are, yeah, oh, yeah, them Christians, and that's what you need to be saying, yeah, yeah. Because whatever they got, you got, amen? And more, because you've been adopted. Come on. Come on, I'm at the house. I'm wearing, I'm wearing my clothes coming out the dryer, and his stuff got monograms with JJ on. What? J, what? <laughs> this dude getting monogram stuff. <laughs> Ain't nobody else in the house this size. You don't have to monogram his stuff. <laughs> like, wait a minute. <laughs> mm -mm -mm. Them Jews are really blessed. Yeah, you right? Yeah, my older brothers. Yeah. I'm the younger brother, grafted in, adopted. Amen. Predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ himself. <laughs> Why? According to the good pleasure of his will. My goodness. Verse 6. To the praise of the glory of his grace by which he has made us I want you to write down the word accepted. <laughs> accepted in the beloved. <laughs> Me and Tammy were in Hawaii walking down this uh walking down this uh, this little um waterfront wall. There was a little stone wall, a seawall. And so we're walking down the street. And we see these hippie-looking kids sitting on the on the bricks out there, and they got a guitar, and they out there just they they look they look like they were they look like they was tore up. They just look like they were high as they could be. And we're walking up on them, and we and we we getting closer, and they play. He is jealous for me. I'm like, what? <laughs> they didn't look the way I wanted them to look. But they were my brothers. Because they were accepted in the beloved, just like I'm accepted in the beloved. And so here these hippies out here singing, sitting on the wall, playing, singing. And I wanted to stop and sing with them when I got up close to them. But God always keeps teaching me, you are not the model of Christianity. <laughs> He said, Derry, as nice as you are, you are not the model of Christianity. Jesus is the model of Christianity. <laughs> so just because people don't fit into your box doesn't mean they're not accepted in the beloved. Just because people don't look like you or walk like you or talk like you or preach like you 
or sing like you or do whatever they do like you does not mean they're not accepted in him. <laughs> By which he has made us accepted in the beloved. <laughs> Some people worship and they're loud. Some people like quiet worship. Some people pray for days. Some people pray for five minutes. Some people got to thank you, Jesus. That's my prayer for the day. Got some people out witnessing, standing on the corner with a microphone and a speaker out there. You got some people just telling people, you know what, God loves you. You got some people reading scriptures and they're interpreting scriptures and they got 10 research books on the table and they're digging in and they're going deep as they can go. And you got somebody says, um, what's that, what's that version? What's that, uh, that, that, that new living translate? What is it? But all of them are what? Accepted in the beloved. I couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it. Still you. Mm-hmm. It's not because we earn or deserve Christianity. It's because we're accepted in the beloved. And in the beloved, we are learning and growing and being discipled into the image of his will. We're being formed and shaped into the image of Christ. And Christ of the Bible and not Christ the paper on the wall. See, the Christ of the Bible is the one who is the one who can turn over tables in the temple and still say, put your sword away. <laughs> wow. Accepted in the beloved. I want you to open your Bibles really quickly. Go to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. I want you to understand today the mystery. See, all those passages, they are, they're, they're good and they sound good and, and I, I can articulate something, but they will be most meaningful to you when you're walking one day and you just say, God, thank you, I'm accepted in you. When you're just minding your own business one day and pressures are coming at you from everywhere and you have things in your heart that are secrets to everybody else and you don't want anybody to find out because you're going to be totally embarrassed if people find out what's going on inside you and all of a sudden the Spirit of God says, you're accepted in me. If nobody wants to hear the secret things of your life, God accepts you. Or when you have stood and you say, man, I'm, I'm, I'm really on fire for God, and then something happens and you find yourself in a cave. 
He was on fire. He was going to do everything for God. And then something went wrong in your life and you found yourself under your covers. Covers over the top of the head. And the Holy Spirit just says, you're adopted in me. Don't worry, son, daughter, don't worry. I've got you. See, those moments of revelation when it's come, those are life-changing revelations. They are life-changing revelations that set you free when you should be in bondage. They are life-changing revelations that free you from having to live up to everybody else's standards of perfection and live up to what God calls you to. Because one day, I said, Lord, I can't live up to these people's expectations. Something, ha- something was going on. And God said, no, you're going to go beyond their expectations. <laughs> I'm like, I'm afraid I can't live up to the expectations. God said, no, you're going past that. <laughs> and I'm going to take you past it. <laughs> Woo, hallelujah. All right, come on. A friend of mine posted on Facebook the other day, if you, if you, uh, if you have no expectations, you can never be disappointed. And everybody's going, it's true, that's true, that's true. I said, no, I set, I set my expectations high, and if it don't work the way I'd expect, I keep on moving until it does. <laughs> keep moving until it does. <laughs> All right, Colossians chapter 2. I want you to... Actually, go to chapter 1, verse 27 first. Chapter 1, verse 27. To them God willed, and to them is who? Actually, I'm going to start at 24. You go to 27, wait for me there, and I'm going to go to 24. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for you, and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ, for the sake of the body, which is his what? Church of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God, which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. The mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations. In other words, there is something mysterious in God that people for ages and for generations have not been able to figure out. They've been trying to understand God, trying to comprehend God, trying to understand the law that God gave, all these laws. They've got the book of Leviticus with all these rules and regulations and don't eat this that swam. And if it has fish and no, it has fins and scales, you can eat it. If it had no scales, you can't eat it. Wait a minute, that means the catfish. Yeah, you can't eat that catfish. And then if it, if it had a shell and it was on the bottom of the ground, on, underwater, you can't eat him. What? You mean the crab? And the, No, you can't eat those. And then if it had cloven tongues or un, clo, cloven hooves or uncloven hooves, wait a minute, what is that? What's a hydrax? I don't even know what a hydrax is. How I know not to eat it if I don't even know what it is. And all these rules are given throughout that book. And then you go to the book of Deuteronomy, and he's got the Ten Commandments. So you say, wait a minute, I thought there was only ten. No, there's three more chapters. <laughs> all these rules. Oh, my God, I'm going to follow all these rules. How am I going to follow all these rules? They only show you that you can't. <laughs> so the mystery is, how's anybody? Supposed to get close to God with all these rules 
separating us from God. So the mystery is that God loves us. How, why are these rules here? How come we can't just get to God? This mystery has been hidden ages and generations among the Gentiles. Excuse me. Verse 27. To them, his saints, who has now been revealed to, willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. If Christ in you was a mystery all this time, and God has now revealed it, do you know what the mystery is? See, if it was a mystery all this time and God's revealed it in his saints, Christ in you, the hope of glory, do you now know what the mystery is? Because if the mystery is escaping us, it's because we're going to have to sit and listen and let God give us the revelation. That's, when I'm, that's why I'm reading the book and I'm crying because God's giving me more of the revelation. More than what I had the other day. Revelation is what we call progressive. In other words, you can have a piece of revelation and it can get deeper tomorrow than it was yesterday with no new information. There's a story about this, this missionary. He went to uh, this particular country and he asked the people if they had Bibles. And they said, no, we don't have Bibles. And so there was a man who came into the village and he had, the, 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 the missionary had gotten 10 Bibles that he had and so he distributed. So a man heard in another town that they had a Bible. And so he came and he, he came and he said, please, my village doesn't have a Bible. Can you please let me have one of the Bibles? And so, you know, missionaries like, I got my own people here. And, you know, they, we, we're sharing 10 Bibles just among all these people here. He said, but I'll give you one. He said, he gave the man the Bible and the man took off. And he said, two years later, he saw the man again. He said, do you still have your Bible? He said, no, I actually need another Bible. He said, well, I gave you that Bible because you said you wanted it so bad. He said, yeah, but I started reading it, and it was so good that I, when I went to my brother's house, I left him some pages. And I went to somebody else's house, I left them pages. And I left them pages. And everywhere he went, he left pages of the Bible. He said, it was so good, I can't keep it to myself. So I kept tearing pages out and giving it to more people, more people. Because why? He said, this is so valuable, everybody needs to have some. So he tore the pages out because he saw all this value in all these pages, and we got five Bibles at the house and aren't even reading the one we got. Because revelation adds value to things that other people think are common. And if you read the Bible as a book, it's just like any other book. If you read the Bible, you ask God to reveal it. It will become something else. It will become something else. It will touch you in ways you have not been touched. It will touch parts of you that you never realized were in you. It will touch you in ways that will cause you to live your life differently. You know why I don't preach about sin all the time? You, know, I, I, you, rarely, you probably rarely hear me say, don't do this, don't. You, you never hear you heard it. I don't. You know why? Because if you read the Bible and get revelation, certain things you'll just stop. 
I, when I gave my life to the Lord and I started reading it, I said, oh, my God. Oh, my God. I started reading all this stuff. And it started speaking to me. And I just stopped doing certain things. I just stopped. Nobody told me to stop. I just stopped. I went in my house one day. I was minding my own business. I looked around and said, man, that's got to go right there. <laughs> I looked at some pictures I had on the wall. I said, ooh, ooh yeah. <laughs> I might need to get rid of that. But nobody told me to do it. And then guess what? If I come at your house and I see something that's interesting on the wall, I'm not going to tell you to take it down. <laughs> I'll let the Lord talk to you when the Lord says it's time for it to go. It'll be time to go. Amen. <laughs> come to your house. You take that picture off your wall. What? You, you get yourself out of my house. How's that? <laughs> Merry Christmas, Pastor, because I won't see you at Christmas time. <laughs> Revelation brings information to the deepest personal level that causes you to take action. And sometimes we're trying to force people who are still green to be red. Summertime will come in my neighborhood when I was a kid, and it was just like plum time. It's like a clock on the inside of us. It's plum time. And so we would go roaming the streets looking for plum trees. And we, we would climb fences. We would go in people's backyards. We would violate any rule to get find plums. That make a difference. We'd be on a two by on top of a fence on a two by four, trying to do a balance beam, trying to walk all the way back. Man, dogs barking in the yards. I don't care. I'm going that tree's right over there. I'm gonna get there. I'm gonna get there. And you're gonna sneak all the way out there. You climb in the tree, sit in the tree, and if green plums, I don't care. My clock says it's time to eat them. You eat those green plums and you'll be fine until on your way home. It would, start, it would start bothering you. Oh, man, I should have ate those green plums. I should have waited another week. But I was too greedy. I had to go get them then. Because when you eat stuff that's not ripe, it's not ripe. <laughs> Our people are the same way. And sometimes in Christianity, we have tried to get people to be ripe when they're not ripe. They're green, and here we are trying to make them red and just give them time. They'll be green if the, if the tree keeps getting watered. If you take care of the tree, the fruit will grow. Amen? Understand that's what we're doing here. Amen? We want to keep the tree watered for you. Amen? Verse 28 says, him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ. We're trying, trying to get, not trying to get cheap converts. We're trying to get mature people being presented perfect before Christ. My goal for you is that you become, you be presented before Christ perfect. And so that's what we try to teach. We try to teach things will help you grow to perfection. Because that's the goal. And guess what? A man told me, he said he worked at, he worked at this mega church, <coughs> and they had about, I think they had 15,000 people in this church. Worked at this mega church. He said, man, he said, it was good to be there. He said, preaching was great. The worship was great. He said, but man, mature 
Christians were few and far between. Because there were so many people and the church didn't have the system in place. Not that there's anything wrong with a big church. Nothing wrong. If you if a big church, power to you. But if you don't have the right systems in place to help people mature in Christ, then we haven't fulfilled our purpose. And sometimes there are Christians that are hiding in church, trying to stay green, because they understand what it means to be red. So, so understand, our job is to present every person perfect in Christ. We want people to grow at the pace that God has them on growing. And like I said, some people grow fast. Some people grow slow, but grow. <laughs> whether you grow fast or whether you grow slow, just grow. Just grow. And how do you grow? Grow deeper in him. Go down to chapter 2, and I'm going to have to close with this. Chapter 2. And I want to go to verse 6. Chapter 2, verse 6. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so also walk in him. As you have received him, in our hearts, so also walk in him. In other words, our walk or our practices should start to emulate Christ. But my practices emulate more of Christ now than they did when I first came to Christ. Because my first steps in walking with Christ was just learning I have to pray every day. That I needed to talk to God. And so my, my measure of maturity was whether or not I was praying once the week first, then every day, then multiple times a day. And so that became the first thing. Then it became, all right, can I read the Bible, a little bit of it, every day? And so I began with, Writing down, I had, they gave me, when I first made my, gave my life to God, they gave me a post-it note with five scriptures on it. So I just said, I'm going to read these scriptures over and over. And I started reading them. And one of them was Ephesians chapter 2. And I read that passage. And I read that I was, I was uh, seated in heavenly places in Christ. And then another one was Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. It said that, I needed to be in Christ. Excuse me, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, 17. That if any man is in Christ, he's a new, creature, new creation. <clears throat> and I started to meditate on the fact that I was a new creation. That I was indeed accepted in the blood. I was indeed adopted. I was a new creation. And I started going through different passages in there, and I started meditating on those, and they started becoming real to me, and God gave me revelation about those things. And those things began to work in my heart and my spirit, and they began to change me. Now, when we see this in chapter 2, verse 6, it says, As you have therefore received Christ the Lord, walk in him. Verse 7, rooted. What does rooted mean? To be rooted means, oftentimes, it's used of a plant. 
that's being moved from one place to another. And so we're going to dig the plant up, understanding that we got to take the roots of the plant with the plant. And we're going to move it to a new place, and we're going to put it in new soil and compact it so that it gets rooted. Rooted, built up in him, established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding in with thanksgiving. What are you thankful for? Yes. Establishing the faith. There is a faith that we need to be established in. In other words, you cannot walk this Christian walk without faith. Faith without works would be what? But works without faith is what? It's dead works. Dead works are works that we do that we have no faith with those things. Now, look at this. Verse 8. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy, through empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to what? Christ. Christ is the foundation. And so our whole, all of our Christian walk, no matter what we're doing, it has to be founded in Christ, which takes us right back to Ephesians chapter 1, that that is the foundation. And if we're building on anything else, we're building in the wrong place. Verse 9, and this is where I want you to pray for revelation. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him who's the head of all principality and power. Do you have the revelation of being complete? See, that's, a, that's, that's an ongoing revelation that you have to grasp. You are actually complete in him. Because more you understand that you're complete in him, the less you doubt yourself when God tells you what to do. The more you start to recognize that when you're complete in him, the less we are worried about whether other people are going to give us choices or opportunities. What we start to worry about is whether or not God is telling us to go left or to go right. <laughs> I want you to meditate on that. The word selah in Hebrew means pause and think about it. Pause and think about it. See, he told them in the verse before, in the chapter before this, is the mystery. The mystery is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And part of that hope of glory is the fact that you're complete in him. And part of that hope of glory is that those five words I told you to write down, blessed, what else you got? Chose, predestined, Accepted. Need one more? Blessed. Chose. Predestined. Adoption. And accepted. Adoption's the one we missed. See, 
I want to give you revelation, but I can't. I can't give it to you. I want to give it to you, but I can't. I can only guide you to the place where I got it. I can only take you to that space. And then you have to come with a hungry heart and say, God, reveal it to me. And i got to pray for you that the eyes of your understanding be open, they be flooded with light so that you might see and know his will for you, that you might know the richness that's around you, that you might know the power of God. And I'll read you this last thing, and we're going to pray. Ephesians chapter 1. Verse 22. Ephesians 1, 22 says this, And he put all things under his feet. The Father put all things under Jesus' feet and gave him to be head over all things. Look at the wording. Look at the wording. He put all things under his feet. What's under your feet? And gave him to be head over all things to the church. Gave him to be head over all things. Put all things under his feet. Gave him to be head over all things to the church. Not in the church. To the church. What's the word to mean? I'm going to give this to you. What does to mean? To describes an action, right? A directive, a directive action. To is something that's going from to. He put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church all things that come to the church come through him so you can't solve a problem in church except through him you can't solve a problem in your life except through him because he's the head and we're the body. Verse 23. Which is his body. The church is his body. Guess what? I'm not the head of this church. Amen. I'm a part of the body. He's the head. I'm a part of the body. You're a part of the body. The fullness of him who fills all in all. You know what your calling is? Your calling is to fill all in all. But if you still believe that you're empty, you can't fill. <laughs> but you're adopted. And you're chosen. And you're predestined. And you're accepted. And because you are, that means you're full. 
You may not know that you're full, but you're full. You're full with the blessing of God. You're blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Every spiritual blessing means that there is no part of you that's not blessed. Every spiritual blessing that is part of God is in you. Your job is that you've got to use the revelation to get the keys of the kingdom and let it loose. Your job is to recognize that you've been given keys to release what's in you to this world. And that what's in you is going to help you serve the Lord. It's going to help you stand in trials. And it's going to help you always have something to give to every good work. Amen. I got something to give to every good work. I have something to give to every good work. Listen, <laughs> I'm telling you now, open your heart to the revelation. My words are not doing justice to what I'm trying to tell you, but I'm telling you this word is powerful. This word will, this word will transform your circumstances, your life. This word will change everything around you if you let this word work in your heart and your mind. If you can accept this word at its value and let the Spirit of God start to reveal and show you how he wants to use it, he will transform you. That's why he said, I'm praying that the eyes of your understanding be flooded. I'm praying that your eyes be so open that you see things the way you've not seen them before. And so I'm going to have the worship team come up. And what we're going to do is we're going to worship right now. And as we worship, I want you to really, really press in to the revelation. I want you to press into the revelation of God. I want you to so push yourself in that you let God move in you so strong today. Because today is going to mark a new dimension for you. Amen. This is going to be the best year ever because we're going places we've never gone before. We're going to let Christ dwell in us richly. We're going to let him move in us in a strong way. Thanks for listening to today's message titled Illuminating the Mystery from our series titled The Best Year Ever. For more information about Abundant Life Worship Center, please feel free to check out our website at AbundantLifeWorship.net. And on our site, you're going to find more information about us, our church, our events calendar, other messages that may be of interest to you, and lots of other great information. On our media page, you can catch our live stream worship service, which is broadcast every Sunday at 10 a.m. Pacific time. Once again, the site is AbundantLifeWorship.net. If you'd like to join us for a live service, please feel free to check on the About Us tab on the site, and you'll get service time, directions, and expectations, things you can uh, expect when you get to us. You can also find us on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash AbundantLifeWorship.net. God bless. We look forward to seeing you on our next podcast. Until then, remember that Jesus came to give you life and that more abundantly.